When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Graveyard woman, you know she keeps my kid, but my soulful mama, you know she keeps me hid. She's a junkyard angel, and she always gives me bread. Well, if I go down dying, you know she bound to put a blanket on my bed. Well, when the pipeline gets broken and I'm lost on the river bridge, I'm cracked up on the highway on on the water's edge. She comes down on the throughway ready to sew me up with thread. Well, if I go down dying, you know she bound to put a blanket on my bed. That is the first half of From a Buick 6 from Side 1 of Highway 61 Revisited. And this is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. Joining me this week to talk about this fun little song is Adam Johnson. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the show. Hello, Rob. Thank you for having me. A big fan of the show. Well, thank you very much. That's always a good way to get on the show. Smooth way on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as we do uh, typically with new guests, uh, what is your before we get to the song? Like, what's your secret origin in terms of uh, getting uh, becoming a fan of, of Bob? Well, I discovered Bob um, through my parents' record collection, um, and I didn't know I was a fan when I first heard him. Uh, they had Desire, and I thought it was kind of a murky record, <laughs> and um, I think the quality of the vinyl itself was pretty horrible, so the sound didn't really come across to me all that great. But, uh, you know, there were a few songs on there that really stuck out and stuck with me, Isis and Hurricane, of course. <clears throat> but I didn't really think another thing of it because they just had that one single Dylan album in their record. Well, um, I'm a child of the 90s, so when um, the motion picture Forrest Gump came out, I fancied myself quite the hippie back then, and uh, <laughs> I asked a girlfriend of mine to drive me up to the mall so I could buy the soundtrack, because the soundtrack to that was uh, was uh, pretty incredible. And, of course, on that so- on that soundtrack was uh, Rainy Day Women, right. and uh, that was the height of my uh, experimentation and... and uh, say let's say the subject matter of that song so i thought well this guy's got some really good ideas maybe i should look into him some more <laughs> so I, I went and bought my first uh uh dylan cd which was actually uh the bootleg volume one through three and uh that was a meaty morsel and really got me interested in the guy because you know that uh, particular record goes from his folk days very early recordings uh you know all the way through uh kind of post-christian um era stuff yeah that's jumping into the pool neck deep exactly exactly so i got the i got the wide spectrum there and i was just amazed that he could um dabble uh and master so many styles and um range so widely musically lyrically thematically um and uh it just kicked off a lifelong obsession so um ever since that i've collected every record i've listened to hundreds and hundreds of bootlegs i've uh traveled the whole country to see him i've seen him from california to texas to tennessee to uh illinois wisconsin you know i think six or seven states i've i've uh, i saw him up in duluth which was a thrill he must have he i imagine he must love playing concerts in duluth i mean talk about it it was a it was a spiritual uh Hmm. concert i can tell you that have you liked the concerts oh i'm a i'm a huge fan um 
I started to see Bob in 1998, and my last show was last October in Chicago. And I happened to be front row for that. Really? So What's that, that like? I've never I, uh, been front row. Yeah. Um, it was um, everything <laughs> that I wanted it to be. <laughs> I went solo to that one because I just wanted to concentrate. I didn't want to have to, um, you know, be a companion to anybody or anything, you know. Um, plus, the uh, cost was pretty prohibitive to bring anyone else <laughs> sure. along. So I bit the bullet, and I was I was front row center, um, one one chair in from, from the center. And, uh, I mean, it was astounding to, you know, it's almost unreal when you see somebody um, so <laughs> iconic in the flesh, you know. And um, just watching his mannerisms, um, and I've seen them. At, at various levels of closeness throughout my concert-going career, but um, to see it to see it front row, unobstructed, perfectly lit. Uh, I mean, I could I could see the the spit coming out of his mouth. That was so close. It was it was uh, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the couple of times I've had that. I mean, I've seen him. I don't know, twenty-one times or whatever it is at this point. But like, you, it's easy to forget when someone is just this sort of image or or, or something that you just heard, and then you're like, I'm in the same room with this guy. I, I am in the same room that with this is, man. That is the thought that goes through my head every time. You know, I'm like, I'm breathing the same air as, you know, this uh, this iconic figure. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't uh, hold him up on a pedestal or anything like that. You know, I, he doesn't have any sort of, uh, I don't know, undue sway over me or anything like that. I just I'm I'm just a, you know, heavy admirer mm -hmm. of his art. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the bottom line. I don't uh, I don't try to dig too deeply into his personal life. I don't uh, want to know what sure, he brushes his teeth yeah. with. You know, I could care less that stuff. No, I, I just you know uh, what he does with words and music uh, speaks to me. And uh, so, you know, I just uh, kind of keep my fandom. I'm uh, sure he would level, appreciate you know? that if he knew. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that is that's fantastic. <laughs> I love the idea of seeing him all over the place. I've seen him mostly around where I live in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area, but I've seen him in some other places here in Massachusetts and Ohio and some other places. And it's it's yeah, I mean the guy is just such a world traveler. So it's cool to be able to catch up with him in all these different right, locations. exactly. And it's fun to see him in different places too because uh, you know you get, you get to see different venues and uh, you know the the vibe of a city the vibe of a crowd right. can be different right. in different parts of the country and stuff like that I think that my show last October my last one was Holy number 57 for me oh my goodness <laughs> wow I thought 21 was impressive 57 yeah. well usually I'll you know when he comes to North America usually I'll go I'll follow him three four cities in a row or whatever so i, I get to knock off a couple of years wow, so that it adds that is, up quick that's astounding we have to do i i, I need to do yeah. at least a couple episodes about seeing bob live i've only sort of dabbled with it uh, here and there me and my uh, frequent guest pat butler have done you know we did one show about seeing dylan sort of in back-to-back -back concerts but i i do want to devote a little more time to never-ending tour stories because i mean my god the guy does a hundred concerts a year uh, you know, there's just so much. Right. He's 75 years old or 77 years old, and he's still out doing 100 shows a year. It's just, it's just extraordinary. You know, just the the output. It, re it really is. It really is. And I lo I love the stage setup that they've got right now. That you know, I've I've heard a lot of complaints about the lighting and you know the not speaking to the audience and he's behind the piano for 80 percent of the songs and and whatever. Uh, you know. I just don't. Uh, I can't cotton that kind of complaining. You're you're in the room with Bob Dylan. You know, suck yeah, it up. He's not doing. I mean, it, and this isn't a knock, but he's not doing. He's not Beyonce. He's not doing a, a you know like a a multimedia show. 
that's not his thing. I mean, right, if you're there right. with that for Beyonce, great. But I mean, that's not what he's there for. I personally feel that. Yeah, I personally feel like it's you know, especially the stage setup uh, really sets the mood and the tone for what he's going for at this particular time. You know, um, I think you know, seeing him in the past, it was kind of just a you know, just a nothing really, not not a very set dressed mm-hmm. stage. It was just a you know, rock and roll setup that you move from town <laughs> to town or whatever. But he's really putting he's really putting something out there now, you know, where. It's almost like I feel like I'm walking into a, a, a carnival tent or something, and, and something mysterious <laughs> is about to happen. I'm sure he would love that description of both those things, a carnival tent and something <laughs> mysterious is about to happen. I think that's uh, that's perfect. So, mm-hmm. well, that that's fantastic. That's absolutely it's super cool. So, uh, but anyway, let's go to the song in question, which is uh, from, a, from a Buick 6. Sure. Now, this song is unique. Um, in that, you know, if you look at how Highway 61 is compiled, of course, that is a record with both, back when there was such a thing as an album with sides, you've got two sides and each song mirrors the other on the other side. You've got Like a Rolling Stone leads off side one and then you've got Queen Jane approximately leads off side two. Well, those songs are thematically similar in their approach. And then you've got Tombstone Blues matched with Highway 61 Revisited. Those two songs have some similar thematic um you know ideas behind them and then the third song you've got it takes a lot to laugh it, tra- it takes a train to cry married that with uh, just like tom thumbs blues and then of course the final song on side one is ballad of a thin man which matches up perfectly with desolation row it's it's only this song right. from a buick six which is song number four on side one that doesn't have a a, a parallel song. And it, it's so funny that the way Dylan has sort of regarded the song is that it's only been performed twice live. That is it. In 1965, right. and that is it. He has basically forgotten about this song, but yet it's clearly very important to him because, I mean, look, there's no point, and the, 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 this show is more about what the songs mean to, to me and, and to, to you than what they mean to, you know, in the grand scheme of things, because who's ever going to be able to figure that out? That said, it's pretty obvious that this is a Bob Dylan version of a love song to his recently married, his, his new bride. Uh, I mean, she, calling her a junkyard angel. I mean, this is Bob Dylan's version of a manic pixie dream girl, basically. I mean, she sounds like the coolest chick imaginable. And, of course, only the coolest chick imaginable could be the one that hangs out with Bob Dylan. It's uh, it's definitely a highly idealized uh, yeah. praise song for for uh, this this female figure and what drew me to it uh, what what made me a fan of it when I first heard it was the the adjectives you know the the graveyard woman the soulful mama the junkyard angel you know those are those are uh, very Dylan-esque ways to compliment somebody. <laughs> right. I mean, he opens the third verse with, well, she don't make me nervous. She don't talk too much. She walks like Bo Diddley and she don't need no crutch. She keeps this 410 all loaded with lead. Well, if I go down dying, you know, she bound to put a blanket on my bed. I mean, this was a guy that was probably besieged from all corners by everybody because he was the zenith of cool in 1965. Right. And for him to say about anybody – she don't make me nervous. That seems like an enormous compliment. He, this is someone that actually brings uh, some some calm and some solace to his life as opposed to the million people that wanted something from him. Right, and she don't talk too much. You know, I mean, it, it must have been a joy for him to sit in a room and not have somebody uh, put, put upon so him. something brilliant, you know, Bob. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, here's a million questions. What do you got for me? You know, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a 
comforting thing when you can sit in silence with somebody, and I think he's calling that out in that particular line. It's fun to sing, too, because the alliteration, especially the, 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 the final uh, line of each verse where they, you know, she bound to put a blanket on my bed, like bound, blanket, bed, like it's just, it rolls off the tongue in a very fun way. Right. You know, it, it's, um, I mean, it, it's a pretty simple blues structure, um, which Bob happens to thrive in. You know, he can take those simple structures and create masterpieces with them. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, what you would call the blues language interwoven in here, you know, with the go down dying and the allusions to vehicles, the allusions to firearms, rivers, you know, highways. You know, it's it's pretty well steeped in the uh, blues tradition as far as uh, the language that it right. uses. Right, and then the final verse when he talks about it, he says, well, you know, to steam shovel mama to keep away the dead, which I assume he's talking about, you know, people that want to drain something from him. He's referring to them as the dead. I need a dump truck mama to unload my head. I would imagine, that again, in 1965, it was probably pretty tiring to be Bob Dylan. You know, just exhausting. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> My favorite line of the song right there, I mean, it just, it's, it's, it says everything about who he was and what he was doing and, and what everybody else thought of him she at the time. She brings me everything and more, and just like I said, well, if I go down dying, you know she bound to put a blanket on my bed. And it's also got that youthful sort of, um, not, not love affair, but for, for lack of a better term, kind of with death. Like, death is a more cheerful, I mean, you know, the, the, the guy who is regarding death in Not Dark Yet is a very different guy than the guy who's regarding death here because it's kind of a it's kind of a cheerful yes. you know calling somebody if i this guy's running uh yeah he's running full steam yeah, into the wall right. in this one uh, as as a as opposed to the the slow uh row down the river sticks <laughs> in uh <laughs> right he sounds like he doesn't care. if i go down dying you know it's like that's eh, all right if i go down dying she'll put a blanket on yeah. my bed at least you know like He's kind of like I'm not even right. worried about myself. It's more about what she's going to do after I'm gone, and that's it's one thing to yeah. be that way when you're 25. It's another thing to be that way when you're 60. You know, to be that kind of like, oh yeah, whatever. Absolutely, it's a little more serious now. Right. You know, and on that last verse, you know, I need a steam shovel, mama, to keep away the dead. I always wondered if he is saying I need a steam shovel mama, like a person who is a steam shovel mama, or if he's addressing a mama saying I need a steam shovel mama. <laughs> You know, to keep away the dead. Uh, that verse and the and the one underneath it with the dump truck mama, I you know there's no there's no uh, commas or anything like that in the lyrics. So it it, it I, well, with a uh, with a lot of Bob you could uh, you can view it uh, from a lot of different ways. You know, he's either addressing a mama or he's saying he needs a That's mama. That's interesting because since there are commas in other lines, I'm going to assume that it's the dump truck mama is one term. You know, he's not saying it right. to somebody. He's calling right. somebody a dump truck mama or a steam shovel mama. And it's interesting because, of mm -hmm. course, when he married Sarah Lowndes in 1965, she was already a mother. She came with a daughter from her previous marriage. Or she was right. already – I mean, mama, of course, could just be a nice way of just referring to somebody, a colloquialism. But it also was literal in this case that she was already a mother when he met her. I mean, of course, sure. he later adopted uh, the, the the daughter and became, you know, she became one of his adopted daughter. And then they had the four other children. But, right. but yeah, I mean, that's it's it's literal. Um, it's good. It's one of those things where it's that could be the inspiration, but that's not what he's literally talking about. You know, he's talking about other things. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, and Junkyard Angel, I believe, is a line from a Kerouac book. I'm not. I'm very unfamiliar with Jack Kerouac's work, other than the, the the more you know basic stuff. But I think that that phrase is from 
Kerouac. So again, this is him just borrowing from every source he could get to throw it in these songs. Sure. From the beats mm-hmm. to the blues in this song. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually heard people interpret this song as as a as a cheating song because of the the first verse and the second. I do believe it was probably inspired by Sarah and their marriage. But when he when he in the second line where, when he says, but my soulful mama, some people interpret that to mean that the graveyard woman and the soulful mama hmm. are two different people. Um, and, you know, one keeps his kid, the other keeps him hid. So sort of a dual, uh, you know, uh, speaking to two women, I guess, throughout the song. But I don't particularly see it that way. But I have had conversations where where somebody has argued that before. And uh, I think there's there's some ground to stand on there. But, you know, everybody want, will hear it the yes, way they want I've to hear never, it. I, now that you say it, I can see it, but I've never thought of that. It always seemed like such a, just a direct song about this really powerful yeah. woman that does again that's that's unloading his head full of all the crazy stuff that's in there and you know for a song that seems i mean it's the shortest song on the record it's only like two minutes and change well i'm looking at the lp here and it's listed oh, 306. as 306 okay. yes i mean it's, it's the shortest song on the record and i don't want to say that it's tossed off because it clearly isn't but it doesn't it's not desolation row it's not like a rolling stone but it it it's also clear from the the reading i've done that that dylan never once considered it to not be on the record and um i was reading in one of clinton halen's books the recording sessions and they talk about that originally you know during for the highway 61 sessions he recorded all the songs that appeared on that record plus positively fourth street and can you please crawl out your window and there was an initial idea that all of those songs are going to be on highway 61 and then they totaled it all out and realized that that would have meant Highway 61 would have been clocked in at like 75 minutes, which was way too long oh, wow. uh, for a record back then. So they immediately decided, okay, we have to perm a couple of songs. And trying to, I'm trying to keep this straight in my head because I don't fully understand all this stuff. But basically, at some point, Dylan was given an acetate of the record for, to, for him to decide, okay, what's going to go where? But the acetate that was given to him, the songs were in a very particular order. They weren't in the order that they were recorded. So that suggested, at least to Clinton Halen, that someone along the line, maybe it was producer Bob Johnston, was making some effort yeah. at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at an order and saying well, maybe they could go like this. Tracks. And that original acetate features From a Buick 6 as the last song. Which is bizarre. Really? I mean, even Clint Halen <laughs> says it's unimaginable that Highway 61 would not end with Desolation yeah. Row at this point. But nevertheless, that acetate exists. That Desolation Row is like in the middle of the record. And the, 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 the Highway 61 mm. ends with From a Buick 6, which would be such a strange, almost anticlimactic way to end the record. To like go through all of these epics and yeah. then end it with this little three-minute thing or just, where he just bangs out this little song. I could see... Uh, I could- see people in 1965 sitting around indian style yeah. going what the heck was that, yeah, is it- that is, <laughs> i mean of course again that's not what happened but it never um there was an alternate version cut uh at the uh, the sessions and th- that was the original version and it was not used and the, this was uh, you know then this this is the second take and that was the one that was sh- put on the album but again it was for a song that bob has never returned to outside of 1965 it's he clearly it was going to go on the album it was never not considered for the album. So he obviously felt very strong about it, despite the fact it feels just this little, as you say, the sort of the slice of blues and then bang, let's move on to something a little more ambitious. 
I think it was probably just fun for him to play. You know, it's 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 uh, you know, he's at the top of his lungs when he's when he's singing it. And it's a groovy song, you know. I mean, it it makes yeah. you shake your hips, you know. Even if it's only three minutes long, it's a it's a foot stomper, and you know, uh, just from a musician's point of view, that's yeah, fun Michael to play. Michael Bloomfield is having a good old time. Oh <laughs> Lord, he's making me have a good old time. Um, in terms of its pop culture uh, prominence, of course, there's a couple of things. Yola Tengo released an album called From a Motel Six, very clever. Uh, Stephen King produced right. a book called From a Buick Eight. Uh, and um, in a, apparently in 2006, Steve Jobs said that it is his favorite song of all time. Wow. <laughs> so there wow. you go. I mean, it's, he, he must have read pretty I guess, deeply. I guess into so. it. There's a, there's a, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a pretty well-known Dylan fanatic. For him to say that, um, yeah. that, that carries yeah, some I mean, weight. That's a, that's a, you know, Desolation Row, yeah, no, no, no. It's that three-minute, you know, from a Buick Six. There's something about it, though. I mean, this one really captured my imagination. I used to... Um, I used to write Dylan's lyrics out by hand. That's funny. In high school, as a, yeah, as a uh, I don't know, as some sort of <laughs> devotional practice or something like that, you know, um, to kind of uh, learn learn the structure of the words mm-hmm. themselves, you know, instead of just taking them in auditory, you know, auditorily. Um, and so, yeah, I had this one written out, and <clears throat> I loved it so much it hung in my locker for that's like fantastic. three years. <laughs> that is that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So. So, it, you know, it's, it's a strange, short, uh, you know, uh, not very deep little ditty, but for some reason it, it got me, got its hooks in me and Steve apparently. Jobs, apparently. Um, <laughs> as we wrap up here, I do want to ask you, what do you have any idea what in your mind what the title means? What it, from a Buick 6? I mean, what is that? I don't know what that means. Well, so, you know, Buick did make a Model 6, and that model, I believe, was in production from... Like night, like the beginning of World War One. Uh, well, I, you know, nineteen fourteen through nineteen thirty is when the Buick Six was produced. So if you think about that chunk of time, nineteen fourteen through nineteen thirty, that's where a lot of our recorded blues tradition comes from. He might have been in a car when he wrote it. You know, I mean, it's it's such a short song. It seems like you could write it in a car ride. He might have been in a Buick Six. He might have just been in a Buick. He might have seen a Buick 6 drive by. I don't know. You know, I mean, Buick, Buick 6s did exist. To me, I, I don't know. It, 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 again, there's just no explanation to the illusion. Um, considering uh, Bob has in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years opened himself up to being a commercial pitch man, I'm kind of amazed that Buick didn't, yeah. hasn't uh, purchased this one. I mean, it's got, a, you know, it's got their name right in the title. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Bob did Chrysler uh, though, so problem, there might yeah. be a concept of interest. <laughs> Chrysler Six doesn't have that same ring to it. Yeah, right. It's got all the bees in the song. So, well, uh, yeah, it's it's a really right. fun tune. Uh, it's it's you know Dylan at even sort of a half effort. Not that this is that, but it just this this is him just rocking out with Michael Broomfield, and it's again it's amazingly catchy. And I can only imagine what it would feel like to have someone as as withering in his estimation of people's character as Bob Dylan, say these nice things about you, you know, to, to write, to write yes, something about right. you like this, that's you're, you're this amazing person that is helping him uh, escape the craziness of the world. That had to be a, a real head turner, no matter, you know, how familiar you are with Bob Dylan, it's still got to be a pretty amazing thing to hear. It's kind of an enigma of a song. I mean, especially in the context of the other songs on the record, but what I was thinking is perhaps it was, it was kind of, uh, written for the stage, you know, um, 
to mm-hmm. be a rock and roller number, you know, because um, so many of his he was he was stepping into that elect, electric mode and he needed songs. And, um, you know, I think this was probably something that he just thought would be a fun thing to play. You know, although he did abandon it pretty quick, I think I, I think not having Bloomfield on it probably is what made him put I it away. I can see that. You know, I think. I think that was probably the precious part of it for yeah, him. You I know? can see that. I mean, it's uh, without having him. Yeah. Musically, I think it's it's kind of like a like a stepbrother to like a Rolling Stone. You know, it's got that drive. It kicks off with That's that right. single That's snare right, at the front, just like just like uh, Rolling Stone does. So you know, musically, I, I see it as a, as like a little brother to like a Rolling Stone. It certainly doesn't pack the same punch. Uh, or deliver the same message, um, but musically, I, I believe they're related. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. All right. I can hear. Uh, well, I think I think that's going to do it for from a Buick Six. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for for reaching out. I really appreciate. it. I love talking to to new Bob Dylan fans. This has been. I've made so many new friends through the show. This is just remarkable. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. I really enjoy the show every week. I thought the. Uh, I wanted to uh, say a special thank you for that summertime episode that you did because that song has a special meaning for me as well, and it was nice of you to share your your thoughts on that uh, and, and that solo episode. That was a nice one. I was lucky enough to hear that one live probably about 10 years back, and it blew me away. It was totally out of left field. I yeah. thought I'd never hear that one. That's such, it's such a deep cut, and I just stood there with my mouth agape, and uh, I'm just so grateful that, that I was there for that and let that song wash over me. Um, but yeah, I really appreciated that episode, and I, and I appreciate this show. I'm a big fan, oh, and I hope to come back. And thank you, thank you so much. This is this has just been terrific, and thank you for the for the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, okay, everybody, of You're course, welcome. you can listen to back episodes of the show over on iTunes and on the website, uh, which is FireWaterPodcast.com, and we're always talking about Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at Pod underscore Dylan. So thanks everybody for listening, and until the next episode, we will see you later. Bye. Thank you.